The sermon text this morning uh, is a continuation in the Gospel of Mark. I'm going to be reading in the ninth chapter. Beginning at the 30th verse. They went on from there and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know it, for he was taking time teaching his disciples and saying to them, The Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands, and they will kill him. And in three days after being killed, he will rise again. But the disciples did not understand what he was saying, and they were afraid to ask him. They came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the road today? But they were silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down, and he called the twelve to himself, and he said, Whoever wants to be first must be last, last of all, and servant of all. And then he took a little child and put it among them. And taking the child in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Where did you learn to hug? Who first hugged you? How'd those kids so willingly just grab these huggables? It really is a, a primal idea, you know? I mean, I'm not really much into stuffed animals, but I am very much into hugging. Uh, there's something about it that transcends our humanity. Uh, if it were up to me, you know, we would do the holy kisses like in some of the ancient traditions where they just grab everybody. But, you know, I'm a big side hugger. I'll side hug you. Okay? Um, I love holding children. Um, especially, well, I, I, I love it when somebody hands you for the first time an infant that's all wrapped up. I mean, it just makes your bottom lip quiver. Uh, I love holding children. Beth and I have a, a granddaughter now. She's, she's two. Uh, Vera Lynn is her name, uh, named after the singer from World War II. You know, there'll be bluebirds over the white cliffs of Dover. That's, her, that's Vera Lynn. Uh, there's a song in uh, Pink Floyd that refer. I don't, anyway. My son-in-law's out there. Vera Lynn is her name, and she is at that age where she's learned uh, that uh, her parents and her grandparents cannot resist it if she walks up to us and gives us one of these. And it doesn't matter what's been going on. She does that. We go and just pick her up. We, we can't not. It's, I don't know what it is about that, that childlike faith when they do that to you. And, and it doesn't even have to be your child. I mean, they, they do that thing and you just, you scoop them up. You embrace them. Something about that, that child raising its arms. There's got to be something wrong with you. 
if you can't pick that child up, it's, it's hard to resist. And even if it's not your child, I mean, I've, <laughs> I've picked up kids when I'm dressed for church and they've got like grape juice clop right here and, you know, a little bit of, little bit of milk over here. And, you know, you just pick them up and you say, ah, yeah, or, or the one with the runny nose thing going on, you know, and I would not know how to feel about myself if I said, I'm not going to pick you up. You've got grape juice all over you or, you know, you're a mess. I, I say, no, you know what? What? I don't care. Come here. Come here. And let the consequences be what they may because I want to respond to that moment. I can't not because it's a child. It's a child. There's no evaluation going on there. You just do it. Yeah, there might be consequences, but I don't want to not have done it. It's what I believe about what it means to be human. No, what it means to be godly. Because that's what God does. See, that's the way God feels about you. God's going to pick you up. God is going to pick you up when you reach out your arms. You are going to get embraced. It's not an evaluation going on. God's not going to think, oh my gosh, you've got grape juice all over you. You've got the runny nose going on. I'm not going to, mm-mm. God came in human form, in the person of Jesus Christ, to tell you, I'm going to pick you up. I'm going to embrace you. You are a child. And, and if you raise your arms, there's no way. I'm not going to bend down and scoop you into my arms and embrace you. Because that's who I am. I'm God. And oh, by the way, you have a divine spark in you. You know how to do that too. The kids know how to do that. So we come to this place where if God feels that way about us, then we ought to feel that way about more than stuffed animals. Okay? About the willingness to hug the stuffed animal. We ought to feel that way about each other. All God's people. All God's children. Um, but the truth is, we have a hard time feeling that way about each other. I mean, you, you just look at this world. There's all kind of ways where we evaluate and we separate and we codify and we organize and we identify one another in many different ways. Um, the disciples were, were walking with Jesus. They were with Jesus. They were walking with the Christ. And as they're walking, for some reason, they had to get into an argument not about, oh, isn't it great how being with Christ just brings us all together and we are one? That's not what they were arguing about. They were arguing about who was the greatest. Who is the greatest? Who's more better? Which one truly loves Jesus more than the other? Who's the best? Who's the most godly? What is the right way to be a godly person? to walk in this journey of faith, this spiritual life. What's the right way? And so that's what they were talking about. Uh, last week in, in my sermon, I, I, I talked about uh, how embarrassing it must have been for Peter when Jesus corrected him right in front of everybody. Do you remember? He said, who, who do people say that I am? And they said, oh, people think you're all, you're everything. They don't know what people, and he says, but who do you think I am? And Peter 
out of faith said, you're the Christ. You are the son of God. You are the Messiah. And right in front of everybody, Jesus said, uh-uh. That, that he rebuked Peter, said, that's, that's not right. That's not right. I'm, I'm not what you're thinking about when you say the Messiah. This week, uh, the other disciples are walking along there with Jesus. Peter's there. Thank God Peter's one of those people who didn't mind being wrong a lot. You know, people who don't take it so seriously. He jumps out of the boat. He gets all wet. He has to be put back in the boat. Peter got over that stuff. But some of us are way more sensitive to being corrected in front of other people. The disciples are walking with Jesus. And he instructs them on the nature of the kingdom of God. And uh, when he asked them, what were you talking about? Uh, they said, well, we were, they're not going to tell him. He knew what they were talking about. He knew they were talking about who was great, who was first, who was righteous, or more better than somebody else. That's what they were talking about. And Jesus corrected them right in front of everybody. No, y'all come over here. Now, how did he do it? This is so beautiful. And he didn't yell at him or scream at him or put up a you know, three-point uh, fold-out PowerPoint presentation. He just said, come here, everybody. Come here, come here, come here. And he took a child. He said, I want to talk to you about God. I want to talk to you about what you were talking about on the road. With this child in their midst, he embraced the child and he corrected them. Um, he said, if you embrace a child, you are the one who is embraced by God because that's the way God's going to be for you. It seems to me that part of being a Christian, part of following Jesus is being all right with being wrong. Uh, one, in this gospel, Mark's gospel, the first thing Jesus ever said was the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So the first thing out of his mouth is better get used to being wrong. Repent means to be going one way, turn around and go another way. That's what repenting is. So part of being a follower of Jesus is being okay with saying, yeah, I was going one way and now I'm going another way because God has corrected me. God has adjusted me. God has redeemed me. Whatever word you want to use, it's part of who we are. People who have been redeemed. Jesus came to be with us and to show us how to live in this kingdom by not thinking the way the world thinks. It's not bad to be wrong. It's bad not to have an opinion. Peter was wrong a lot. But he loved Jesus and he knew he'd be embraced and he embraced Jesus. Um, it, it, Jesus came to say, I want you in this world of takers, I want you to be givers. In this world where being first is what matters, be last. Don't move to the front of the line, move to the back of the line. Don't be the master be the servant. If someone asks you to walk with them a mile, walk with them too. A child of God is what you are. And God is going to pick you up and hold you and embrace you simply because you belong to God. So 
this goes against this goes against the way the world kind of things. This goes against the the what we could say the natural law. The natural law, you know, Auburn would have beat LSU last week. But they didn't. They lost. Now UVA won yesterday, right? But in order for UVA to win, somebody who had to lose? Louisville lost. Now the great thing about sports is that you're going to lose 50% of the time, and we're okay with that. Because when you go onto the field, there's going to be a winner, and there's going to be a loser. That's the way we, that's the world we live in, and we're used to that, and that's okay, and we see it all around us, and we're kind of saying, we embrace that, and we decide it. And into this world comes this Jesus fellow who says, no, I want you to lose all the time. I want you to give Rather than take, I want you to be last rather than first. I want you to be servant rather than master. And, and I get it now. That it doesn't make sense. Peter said, you're the Messiah. You're the king. You're the victorious one. You're the boss. You're all that. You're going to win. And Jesus says, no, I'm going to die. On this walk with the disciples, while they're talking about who's going to be the greatest, how does Jesus, he takes that child, he embraces that child, he says, this is, this is where you want to be, right here, right here, right here. And then he says, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be handed over to the religious, corrupt uh, politics of that, of that system. I'm going to be tortured. I'm going to be tried. I'm going to be convicted. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to die. And I don't know about you. Well, that doesn't sound like one in the wind column to me. That sounds like one that goes in the lost column. So no wonder the disciples didn't get it. You know, they never got it. The whole I'm going to preach that on Mark for some time here, but they never get it because it doesn't make sense in this world where there's winners and losers. <clears throat> It's kind of the same way we can't understand uh, some of the things we see in the world. And wh- why does this have to be? Why, it just doesn't make sense. And how can this possibly be what God wants? Well, it may be that we don't see the whole picture. Maybe we live in, we live in this, this, this temporal world. And Jesus is talking about all about the eternal. Like one of the things I worry about, how, God, how in the world can declining church attendance... And shifting cultural values be a good thing. How in the world can that be? I don't see it. Why, why can't all the churches be full all the time? Why can't people, you know. But I know that God still loves this world. I know that God's still moving in and through and among us all the time. But I don't see it right now. It's not like it used to be. I don't see how conflicts over race and gender and social norms could possibly be progress in the world where I wish everybody just got along. But you know what? I have to believe there's something going on even in the midst of the conflicts, conversations, and insecurities. I get a little anxious. But all the while, if I can just by faith, Jesus keeps saying, pick up this cross and follow me. You see, in that day, when you saw somebody carrying a cross through the street, it means they were not a good person. They had done something wrong. They were going the wrong way because they're going up to be crucified. That's the wrong thing. And here's Jesus saying, hey, pick your cross up and carry it. 
and follow me. No wonder the disciples didn't get it. Um, and I think it has to have something to do with the fact that we, like last week, we, we kind of go with our first impression. We don't listen to the end of the story. Some of you saw a duck last week when I put that picture. Some of you saw a rabbit. But you live with a while. You see more. I, I believe that when, you, when they heard Jesus talking about going to Jerusalem... And all the bad stuff that was going to happen to him. He's going to go to Jerusalem. He's going to be betrayed. He's going to be tried. He's going to be tortured. He's going to be crucified. He's going to die. And then, yeah, yeah, that doesn't sound like. But then he said that last thing. And he did it consistently. And on the third day, I will rise. What? I don't really know what that means. I don't have any experience with what you're talking about. I, I know what all that other stuff is because I see it all the time. I go to a ball game. Somebody's going to lose. What? I think Jesus would say that, that, that the disciples are confused and we don't know because we don't have any experience with resurrection. And they didn't. And we don't. Did you not listen to the last part of what I said after all the bad stuff that's going to happen? And I'm going to rise on the third day because that's what it means to be the Messiah. That all that is wrong with the world will be made right. All that is broken will be redeemed. All that is sick will be healed. All that is confused will become clear. So after the crucifixion and the death, there will be a resurrection. There will be a victory. There will be a win. And now you guys can get tired of hearing about Auburn. But Auburn is one of these great teams because they're always down by 13 points with two and a half minutes to go, and they come out winning. They do. Or I love it when they do. When your team does that, you love it. That's why we like baseball. Football, baseball, that's why we like basketball because basketball has a lot more of that last minute shot where the ball is arcing in the air and the clock runs out, ball's still in the air, you're down by one point, what's going to happen? Basketball, oh my gosh, because it's got that resurrection moment where you don't know, but you just say, oh, if only that thing will hit the push. So don't beat yourselves up if, if you have doubts. Don't beat yourself up if, if you wonder and you evaluate and you're always looking at, at what's better or what's right. We do, I think we do that in the church we do, with worship. You know, we got our 8.30 people. We had some 11 o'clock people at 8.30 this morning. Everybody's looking at them. What are you doing here? Right? Because we got opinions. We evaluate. We're adults. That's what adult brains do. We observe, we evaluate, and we make decisions. Children do not. And guess what, people? God doesn't either. When you show up to God, God's going to scoop you up. Whether you're right, whether you're wrong, whether you worship at 11 o'clock or 9.45 or 8.30. Don't beat yourselves up. You are disciples and you are human. You are like them very much. They didn't get it. You shouldn't expect to get it. You won't get it. Um... The truth is, Jesus is hard to understand. God is impossible to understand. Let me say that again. 
So Peter said, Jesus is the Christ. I mean, the presence of God with us, and they're walking with him. They are with him. None of you have walked with Jesus. It was 2,000 years ago. They were with him, and they were arguing about who was greatest. They didn't get it. Why do you expect you're going to understand it? Well, Christ being with them, they didn't understand. We're not going to understand God. We are called to be people of faith who believe that love is going to win and we don't have to understand it. Um, you want to do your best, though. It doesn't mean you just give up and say, well, I'm just going to be a big, big mess and expect everybody to pick me up and get all the grape juice and snotty nose all over themselves. There's something wonderful about picking up children and hugging them and loving them. And that's that point where, where they're, they're ready, they're good, you know, whatever it was. And you put them down and you say, now, go, go. And if you really want to know what the Christian life, the spiritual life, a journey of faith is all about, is having the faith to raise your arm and to believe that you will be loved and you will be embraced, but that God is going to take delight in putting you down and watching you go. God is going to take delight by saying, now get out there on that playground. Is there anything you like better than to watch the children learn and grow and, 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 and be good at stuff? Um, Methodists are good at stuff. We are. We're, we're competent, capable, you know, uh, spiritual people who are devoted and disciplined. And, 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 and we are, we're, we're good at stuff. But guess what? We're not right all the time. We don't get it right all the time. No, no church, human structure, religion is going to be right all the time. As good as you are, I'm so impressed with you Methodists. You're just like, how are we going to do this? Let's get this done. Okay. But, you know, the Roman Catholics have been around for 2,000 years. They don't have it right. We've been around, what, two, three hundred? Can't be, you know, we don't have it right. The, the Lutherans, the Baptists, the Presbyterians, we, we are human beings who've created these things because we're trying to get it right. And God takes delight in watching us try and seeing us grow and, devel and, and to develop. But no matter how long we have, we're never going to get it right. Not, e not even the, the mega church pastor who's brilliant and charismatic and inspired and, and got this great thing going. Guess what? Give them a little time. It'll be obvious. They won't have it right either. Because the nature of who we are, we're not God. So it's okay for us to have different worship styles. It's okay for us to have different opinions about justice ministry and missions and which need is the most vital right now, whether we get the flood buckets going or whether we, you know, it's okay for us to have different experiences of of evangelism or, or politics or it's okay to get another opinion from your surgeon or your your doctor it's okay to hypothesize about physics and what could be out there beyond the hubble telescope it's okay because you're not going to get it right you are not god so to accept that is to accept that regardless of what you believe or who is the greatest or who is first or who wins, God loves you. God's going to pick you up when you raise your arms. God's not going to let anything, not even death, stop God from embracing you. You belong to God. Um, but what I want to encourage you to do is 
people of faith is first and foremost, be, be willing to, by faith, raise your arms and be embraced by God and then be corrected. If you, if you scraped your knee and that's why you need to get picked up, then it's okay for God to say, well, my favorite one is, is open-toed shoes, flip-flops. You know how you stub your toe and they, hey, pick me up. Okay, then, then God, God will say, okay, put on some sneakers and go. Okay, now that's not embarrassing to be told. It's not like flip-flops are bad and evil. But you're going to stub your toe if you wear flip-flops. And I want you to skip and jump and, and learn how to play ball and turn two on a double play. God takes delight in seeing us take what it means to be loved and embraced and turn around and then love and embrace others. To get good at it. To, to love one another. God delights when he sees us do beautiful things and make beautiful art and sing beautiful songs and say beautiful prayers. God delights in that. God delights when you practice your faith by worship and the spiritual disciplines and ordinances of God, which Phil spoke about. God takes delight, and this is for me, when, when, when you care for creation, when, when you are stewards of the beauty that God has given you. And you will get good at it. I think we are good at it sometimes. I think the world notices a church that's, that's good at it. When, 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 the, when the world sees, wow, that seems like it's working. I want to be a part of that. I want to learn how to hug. I want to be hugged. And I'm going to go where those people know how to hug. But we will fall down. We will scrape our knee. We will stub our toe. Uh, we will push and shove other people. You will come to church and somebody will be rude to you. I'm sorry. You are going to sometimes for your own fear and insecurity, you're going you're gonna to push in front of somebody else. Um, you can even be cruel to each other. Most of the times, we're not cruel to strangers, but we will be cruel to the ones we love the most. We will say the sarcastic thing. We will do the thoughtless act. Okay, so you have to accept that as much as you try and as good as you may get at something, you are going to fall down. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news about the love of God, is when you fall down, you will be picked up. You will be embraced. You will be loved. And God's greatest desire is that by that experience, by having been picked up and loved, that you will then learn to pick up and love someone else. The, kid, the kids know how to do it. As we grow older, we begin to evaluate more. And we're not sure whether I want to worship that way or sing that song or join that club. God's desire is that we don't, we do not evaluate that way. We look at one another and say, you know what? You are worthy of being picked up and hugged, and so am I. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me? God, your people have come to be loved. Thank you, thank you, thank you for picking us up. Thank you for that love that will not let us go. Help us, we pray, to be able to embrace others as we have been embraced. This we pray in Jesus' name.
and as he taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.